because they're bad writers and they don't know what they're doing. And they'd only let the showrunner run the show. <laughs> Things would be okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Bar Side Chats. I'm Brian the Gleeman. And I'm Matt, the innkeeper. And this is a Wheel of Time podcast from the Dusty Wheel. Welcome back to Barside Chats. I'm Brian the Gleeman, and I'm joined today by Camelin's favorite innkeeper, Matt. Matt, how's it going? Thanks for having me. It's going awesome. We are almost at the end. We're three episodes left of the Wheel of Time. Three episodes left. One. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Time flies That's when you're having fun. I know, right? It's going to be 2022, and we're going to be like, when's the next season coming out? I know. <laughs> All right. Well, the uh, this episode of Barside Chats has spoilers from each of the episodes that have been released so far. So if you haven't watched episodes one through five yet, you may want to wait till you get caught up before you continue. Just a warning. All right, let's do this. Some folks out there are upset about the changes from the books, from Perrin's wife to the racial makeup of Emmons Field to grown men crying on screen to an OGR's nose. And, you know, I got I got to thinking, we like the show a lot, you and me, we like it a lot, but tons of people are leaving bad reviews all over the place. Uh, and I guess the question is, do they have a point? Are, are any of these criticisms being lobbed at the Wheel of Time valid? Are they things that we should, uh, we should take seriously? Uh, while we're all entitled to our opinions, some are wrong and some people are, <laughs> some opinions aren't really justified. Uh, but I wanted to talk with you, like, are these good points? Do you want to kick us off? Yeah. Do you want to uh, share a, a quote that you found and we can talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these these will be, you know, comments that have been left at the dusty wheel. Uh, you know, and it's it, I think it'd be fun to kind of break these down with you because, yeah, honestly, Brian, right? Like, not everything is perfect, nor nor is it going to be, right? Like, I have, yeah. I have things that I don't like as much as others. But, you know, clearly for some of these f uh, fans out there, it really matters so much that, you know, it's it's disturbed them to such a degree that they've left a comment. So, yeah, here's here's one comment from a fan. It's really sad and unfortunate how the bad, sloppy writing in this adaptation is leading people to have ridiculous theories like ones about Valda being a Forsaken or consent channeling. Another one is how so many people thought Perrin's wife was a dark friend, laugh out loud. No, people, you're simply seeing terrible writing, and because you're refusing to accept the fact you are mistaking it for something having a hidden or deeper meaning that is not there. Okay, Brian, does does this fan have a point? Um, so they're basically saying that this is sloppy writing because people have theories. Is that what I heard? Um, I mean, yeah. I, the, we have loony theories about Robert Jordan's books, you know, that's one of your standing segments that you do. So uh, I would say, um, no, I think that uh, what, what this does tell us is that we don't have enough information to know the truth about Eamon Balda and his, you know, channeling obsession or, you know, Layla's backstory. We, we don't know enough information. And it, you know, we, we have to remember that, I think you pointed this out last week's episode, but We've read all of the books. We know who these characters are very, very deeply and very, very uh, intimately. And we know what their motivations are. And so you see somebody 
you see those characters on screen doing something slightly different and you go, well, that's not how it was in the books. And I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, we have to remember we don't know these characters as well as we we did in the books. And so we just don't have enough information, I think, to know whether Valda is a forsaken or a consent challenging, uh, consent channeling or not. Uh, and we don't know enough about Layla to know if she was a dark friend or not. Um, I happen to think that Layla is a dark friend theory is a very fun one to think about. And I think you can point to some evidence on screen to show that it's there. But is it loony? Is that, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. We don't have enough yeah. information. Well, I, I you brought up an excellent point, which is we're all working with like an overstacked deck, right? Like we know all the cards. We know the special edition cards. We know the cards that even weren't included in the deck, but had been created and why that, you know, we know so much information that of course, as book fans, that's what this uh, fan gets wrong is new viewers would never probably ever come up with <laughs> Layla is right. a dark friend theory. They'd just be like, oh, that's tragic. That's sad, whatever. Yeah. And they wouldn't come up with like, can Valda sense channeling? Because new viewers are going to be like, I wouldn't even know that there was somebody out there that might be able to sense channeling and be kind of a, a, someone that can learn to channel. And, you know, and, and maybe they're using something like that, like some affinity recognition. You know, no one would have any idea. So while <laughs> what, what this fan is pointing to, like you said, is a little ironic uh, coming and putting it on a channel that you and I are related to. <laughs> it's like, are these crazy theories fans are coming up with indicative of like good writing? No, it's bad writing. And I'm thinking like, if you heard all of the theories we came up with regarding Robert Jordan's writing, <laughs> you'd, yeah. you'd be are asking you, are yourself you saying like, Robert Jordan's no, a bad writer too? Yes, I mean, Robert Jordan's on, a that's... terrible writer. Have you ever heard the theory that Avienda <laughs> killed Asmodian? You know, like it's like, <laughs> yeah, in the end, we're going to take these points like so far. So I feel like regardless if this fan thinks the writing's bad, use the wrong information <laughs> to justify right. to justify their their feelings about it uh, i i that to me if we just pull back a little bit the whole concept of the writing being bad or good that's going to all be in the eye of each beholder right like every viewer is going to like something or not some dialogue is going to be sloppy to somebody someone's going to think it's the best thing in the world so those things to me are just like it's like a book and you're like, no, this is the greatest book ever. And someone's like, well, they do this thing in a sentence structure and that shows poor, whatever, you know, like yep. that criticism itself to me, like that's not, I haven't, I actually have not even listened to the dialogue closely because I'm that engrossed in the show. So I feel like they've done a great job where I'm not, I'm not sitting back going like rewind play the yeah. sentence again and going like that. How was could terrible. you say that? That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, we watched uh, episode five the night it came out the Thursday night. And there was a scene where Nynaeve says something and has that like dramatic pause. And then I, I said out loud, I, I finished the sentence. Right. And then like, as soon as I finished the sentence, she said exactly what I said. You know, it was like one of those, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was one of those moments in a show where the dialogue is predictable and it's just like every movie, every show does it. And it's just, there's always a, a, at least one or two lines where it's just like anybody could have written that line. Um, you could make the argument that's bad writing, but the purpose of TV is different from the purpose of the written medium. They're, like they're two different mediums. They are done differently for different reasons. And on TV, you have to get ideas across very quickly, very complex ideas in a very short period of time. In a book, you can take a whole chapter to describe 
what the wagon looks like, right? Or like why the dress that Nynaeve is wearing is is significant. Uh, on the show, you have like a second to do that. And you can't, you, you, it just has to be a little simpler and a little bit broad brushstrokes in order for audiences to understand what, what it is that they're telling, they're being told. And, uh, you know, so I, I, you could say this is, there's some bad writing in there, but I think it's more like normal writing for normal TV shows. And, you know, every movie, every TV show we've ever seen has this kind of thing in it. And it's just, you know, keeping in mind our standards are very high because the books are very, very good. And keeping in mind that, you know, we're watching a, a different medium where the rules are a little different and the goals are a little bit different is keeping that in mind, I think makes this easier for me to understand. Uh, but I don't think it's bad writing. I think it's just TV writing. Yeah. And it's a different kind of writing. No, there's, there's a, there's, I think I, there were a couple lines in there where I was like, Oh, I don't like that line. But it came more from like a, being a book fan and it's like, okay, you're saying something to people that don't know this. I get it, but I don't, but then yep. there's been plenty of lines where I'm like, that was hilarious. Like I've, I've laughed like Barney Harris has some of the greatest lines. That's not lines. how roads work. <laughs> the best line. His greatest yeah. lines ever. So yeah, that, anyways, I, I thought that was an interesting interesting comment from a fan. And But on this one, I don't think I don't think he has a point. So Yeah, I, I don't think I agree either. I think, uh, like you said, if there is bad writing, these examples were not good enough to convince me of that. Um, let's look at another one. Somebody, uh, somebody wrote a basically a novel talking about how bad this show is. Um, and they said this, I hate this show, but I've watched every episode multiple times. That makes a lot of sense. Sadly, Amazon has figured out that many of the book readers will hate watch the show and new people will watch anything if the production value is high enough. I don't understand the book readers who like it. The changes changed the world and there was no reason for it. They made Matt's dad a cowardly womanizer and his mother a drunk because they didn't think a kind-hearted rogue who finds a dagger possessed by an evil force, even the shadow fears, and then, spoilers, a whole bunch of awesome stuff. That's not really a spoiler. Um, they didn't think that was interesting enough. The payoff is we and he hate his parents. That's supposed to make him more interesting. And then they kind of babble a little bit about the dragon reborn can't be a girl and you know uh how rick judkins is just survivor contestant how could he be a good writer and land cried and all these kind of stuff and then they end with this gem it says i give the episode four out of five herpes it had its moments but squandered them for no reason does he have a point you know, if you go back, if you st if you start at the beginning of his uh, episode or his comment here, the the whole concept of hate watching something. Of course, if you're hate watching something, you're gonna hate it. You're gonna hate it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even, like to just tell us you're hate watching it. Just already speaks volumes to yep. your decision making process, which is I hate something and I'm going to watch it over and over again so i can pick out what exactly i hate and then i'm going to tell people i'm hate watching it <laughs> so so they yeah. know there's no world in which i will accept this and then i'm going to give them a lot of so beyond just from an argumentation standpoint really poorly crafted point 
by telling people like, I hate watch this thing. Believe me that I have, you know, I have very valid criticism. So when he starts there, I had a hard time getting into this, but let's, I want to, I want to go to the meat of what his, his initial complaint here was, uh, was the idea of changes for no reason. Again, it's like a really strange position to take when you're not part of the writing process to say that, you know, there were zero reasons. (laughs) <laughs> like, like, right. like no reasons right. is, is, is one of those kind of like ivory tower. Like you don't know what you're doing. And it's like, well, you don't know if they know what they're doing. You know, you're, right. you're in episode five of season one. Uh, so the concept of he's decided that changes don't have reasons also made me kind of lean against this point. But then he gets into this specific thing. So let's let's talk about beyond the fact that I don't think that this person's uh, points are valid overall. I want to talk about this one where he said Matt's dad, a coward and womanizer and his mother, a drunk. Uh, And that at the end of that, he said the payoff is we hate his parents, which I think is like a really interesting takeaway. Like I didn't hate Matt's parents. Did you hate Matt's parents? I felt sorry for them. I don't know if I hated them. I I didn't like them. Right. Well, I, we just met them. Like you don't have like yeah. You don't have any idea where they've you know like from a viewer standpoint. You're like, who are these people? What's brought them to this point? Right. Like, is this a recent thing? Did somebody die in their family? Whatever. Like you're, like I I guess I didn't yeah. assume anything about them other than maybe we'll learn something more about them later as a viewer of the show. And it was like yep. what I did find interesting about that was that by doing that, I did ask myself or I did recognize immediately, like when Barney Harris as Matt, like asks where his sisters are in that first episode and he goes to find them in the midst of what's happening and his relationship with his mother where, you know, not not wanting to necessarily be seen in his father, but then he's like selling maybe a stolen bracelet, you know, or however he got the bracelet. Uh, This kind of starts to build an idea of this character that doesn't require us to go into the future to understand him in the past, right? Like that's what I think they, I actually think that Rafe and his team has done a great job of starting everybody at the beginning of the story and giving us reasons to start thinking about them and caring about them as people. Like, I'm, yep. I'm sorry, Robert Jordan's story is like, hey, Gandalf came in, got the hobbits, and they went to, you know, basically go find or or take the ring up to the dark, the, the, um, the, the, the evil yeah. or the shadow and and saw and end the quest, right? Like the whole first book is a very basic style quest and you get it from Rand's point of view. So you don't invest in any of these people when you're reading the books initially, other than like, I'm 15, I'm a boy, and this, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. there's a, there's an investment here at a, at a viewing standpoint. So I actually like that they took a stab at giving us a backstory. Yeah, I think your, uh, your point about like, the, the changes for no reason is kind of a weird perspective to have because... If you actually watch the first five episodes, most of the changes in the first episode, the reasons become apparent in the second, third, fourth, fifth episodes. Yep. Uh, so, for example, when I first watched the first episode, I was annoyed and confused about why Nynaeve was dragged off by the Trolloc during the Battle of Winter Night. And I was like, that's not what happens in the book. And that makes no sense. 
And then you watch episode two and she's shows up at the end and holds a knife to Lan's neck. Okay, well, in order for Lan to be surprised as a, a non-reader, in order for Lan to be surprised, he had to be shocked at who it was that had a knife to his head. Not just that they had a knife to his head, but who it was. And so the fact that she was dragged off and presumed dead by everybody adds a layer of Lan's surprise there. And that makes more sense than her him being just surprised that she tracked him. I mean, we're talking about, like in the books, it kind of doesn't really make sense because he, he's there's six or seven people riding horses through the woods. You can't cover those tracks. Like the book, the book's almost like badly written at that point for, to, <laughs> to, to explain why like he was surprised that Nynaeve was caught up. But this, having this in the show where he was surprised not only that she had a knife to his throat, but also that she was still alive after everybody thought she was dead. Like that is uh, uh, really interesting. And then in episode three, we actually see the scene where she fights off the Trolloc and, and, and kills it. And that adds another layer to Nynaeve's character. And so this idea of like, oh, Matt's family is like a his dad's a womanizer, her mother's a drunk, and he's got two sisters that are that are very young, and he, you know, was supposed to hate his parents. I'm like, maybe, maybe you are. Maybe this this will actually come back later, and we will see some of the consequences of those decisions that we just haven't seen yet. The same thing with Layla and Perrin's wife. Um, uh, you know, whether she's a dark friend or not, she uh she did uh, he did kill her with an axe, and now that gives Perrin a much greater reason to hate the axe than he had in the books. And so, you know, you can sit here and say, well, there was no reason for it. You didn't have to do that. And that's true. You could, they could copy the books, you know, plot point for plot point, character development piece for character development piece. They could have copied the books exactly, and they would have been good characters. But like you said, they're setting up these character points very, very early, very, very quickly so that we don't have to spend episodes seven and eight talking about why Perrin hates the axe. We already know why Perrin hates the axe. Yes. Um, you know, and, and that was established in the first 15 minutes of the film, you know, of the, of the, in the first 15 minutes of the episode. And that is a reason, you know? And like we can look at these and come up with reasons. I, I don't. I don't think there was no reason. Yeah. Well. No. And, and that's the point is we're in the fifth episode, <laughs> so it's like, like I think uh, Rafe answered a question where they're like, why isn't there any like swearing from the books? And he's like, you know, blood and ashes or whatever. Give us some time. Um, you know, th yeah. the concept of like, yeah, all the reasons haven't been shown to you and us, and and what maybe won't be for a season or two. We just like Robert Jordan didn't give us the reasons <laughs> for all this stuff. Right. It was the whole idea of foreshadowing or, oh, okay, like why give us, you know, Tam the way he gave us Tam? Why why did Tam allow his son to leave with an Aes Sedai, you know, and not go really look for him much more than going to the White Tower and then giving up and going back home? Like, oh, maybe this had to do with the fact that Tam actually might believe that the child that he took, you know, like, you know, in other words, you, you, you start to get like re rationale of why characters would do things, but not until later, not until you really understand the story. And so I, I feel like in the same way, we're going to get the rationale of choices they've made as we go. So it's weird to kind of like be angry now about not understanding the changes. Maybe not like right. it's not unexpected because as book fans, you're like, there's changes. I want to know. 
I get it. But I want to point this out though. Um, and this goes out to anyone that's listening that's hate listening. <laughs> if, you're, <laughs> if you're hate listening right now, um, understand this about the show. Uh, regardless if you wanted a beat for beat from the books, dialogue and scenes would have still had to have been created out of whole cloth. Sorry. Like, sorry, you have to build a scene about Perrin and, you know, his family that wasn't there in the books. And you're going to have to build scenes about Matt and his family and Egwene and her family. You're going to have to build those scenes to introduce us to characters. You can't just use what we have in the books to actually build out who these people are. You can build out Rand's point of view of who these people are. You can build out Rand's experience in this thing, but you can't build out everyone else's. So it wouldn't have mattered. Like, I don't care. It, you want it as close to the books as possible. You still were not going to like any choice if you don't if you if you're not open to any choices you're not going to like them coming up with scenes that didn't exist in the books and dialogue that doesn't didn't exist in the books because they would have had to have done that in the first place so i much prefer brandon i think brandon has said this about showrunners and people that do this he's like i'd rather somebody come in with a vision than somebody that comes in doesn't understand the material and just looks at the books and tries to translate it directly into a tv show He's like, imminently you'll get something more interesting and more vibrant, basically, and more compelling than just somebody who's reading off the dialogue and trying to make that into a script. And I 100% agree with that. In this review that we're talking about, the reviewer does go into some more details. He talks about how, you know, Egwene doesn't need to be Taverin, actually diminishes her role in the story. Do you agree with that? Do you think there's a point there? But I've seen that point just from book readers discussing this over decades, you know, because Robert Jordan said she wasn't basically the uh, Taviran. People would be like, well, she should have been. And then there were people that loved Egwene that were like, no, not, it's not Taviran. It's, you know, this was her and it had nothing to do with that. And I'm like, well, Matt and Perrin and Rand were Taviran. So what? They didn't make choices? No, they did. Like Taviran to me in the book doesn't take away from character building. It doesn't take away from the character value. It doesn't take away from the value of the things that, that happened to them. If you think it does, then you kind of have to hate read the books <laughs> because like, the whole concept of the wheel and the books is that Taviran exists and it is part of mechanism of Robert Jordan's world. You know, So to me, it's like, Look, you make four people, five people, three people Taviran. Guess what? I don't want to shock anybody here. The wheel does whatever the hell the wheel wants to do. And so whether or not you want yep. to call it Taviran or not, guess what? <laughs> the wheel decides. Yeah. And the only, uh, only counteracting real power against that, well, two of them, the one power, and that is you could use Balefire and you could mess up the wheel, and two, the Dark One's influence. So yeah, in the end, regardless if they make them four Taviran, five Taviran, three Taviran, one Taviran, no Taviran, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. And and that's just a fact of the world we live in. So no, I, I have zero problem that Egwene is Taviran. Like it, it does not change to me anything about their motivations. It doesn't change the story. It's still the wheel of time. Uh, it is. Okay, so here's our next, uh, <laughs> our next uh, comment from a fan. I found the books in the 90s. I'm a huge fan, have read the entire series four to five times, and I'm trying to enjoy the series, but they have moved too far from the books, and I'm having a little trouble, frustration, that the plot lines have such big holes you could drive a truck through them. No Berlan, Min, no Whitebridge, 
No Camelin, Elaine, Gawain, or Elida. No Faldara, The Ways, and Eye of the World. So I've come to the decision to just try enjoying it as a wattish fantasy because they use the right names and magic. But overall, I'm pretty disappointed because Amazon could have had the biggest fantasy series since Game of Thrones if they would let the showrunner actually run the show. It is Rafe not the showrunner, and is the showrunner not running the show? Is this <laughs> is that what that last comment was implying that Rafe is not actually okay? That aside, um, and the spelling mistakes aside, in this thing, um, we haven't seen. We we don't know that we're not going to get the ways. The, the episode seven, I think, is called like something the dark path through the ways yeah, or yeah. something like. We're that. definitely getting so the ways. Yeah, we're going to get the ways. We're, we've seen Faldara in a teaser t- trailer. Uh, so we're going to get Faldara. The Eye of the World is the last thing that happens in the book. And we're only, only on episode. How, what do you mean there's no Faldara, the ways of the Eye of the World? <laughs> you don't know that. We haven't we haven't gotten that far. Okay. Now, the other stuff, no Barallon and Men, no Whitebridge, no Camelin, Elaine, Gawain, or Elida. Okay. That is true. That's true right now. Um, uh, you and I know from from our research and our, our work in the last two years on this, you know, prepping for this release that uh, the Camelin scenes have been moved to season two. Uh, we don't know. Been left we don't, out of we don't know one. if they've actually been moved to season two, but they have been left out now. I don't think they've said yes. exactly when. Well, we know Elaine's been cast. Oh, well, right? true. Yes, I think we know Elaine. We know been Elaine's cast. been yep. cast. Yep. We know men has been cast. Yep. So we're going to see men. We're going to see Elaine. We're probably going to see a Gawain, maybe a Galad. We're probably going to see more Gays and Elida. We're probably or hopefully Gareth Brynn. There's a theory right now that Elida might be merged with Leandrin, which uh, I'm kind of okay with. We don't know what has been cut and what hasn't, what's been moved. We do know that there are scenes from book two, or at least themes from book two that got moved into season one. And so there's no reason to expect that these things also wouldn't be moved to season two. So just because we haven't seen men and we haven't seen Elaine doesn't mean we're not going to. Well, men's been cast, um, right? Men's been cast for yeah, the season. Yeah, we know so. men and Elaine have been cast. But no Berlon and no Whitebridge and no Camelin. Okay. Okay. I, I will allow you that because that is true. However, I didn't miss them. I have not missed them. I think, you know, you still see, like we talked about uh, an episode or two ago, like we're still getting the book report version of this. Like we still, Rand meets Loyal in the library uh, with the candlestick. Uh, no, I guess, I guess, you know, meets Loyal in the library. We still have Tom fight the Fade and, and, and you know, presumably die. Like all of that happens, even though it didn't happen in Barillon and it didn't happen in Whitebridge. So, Whitebridge, Four Kings, all those little towns uh, got merged into Breen Spring. Uh, and we got Dana representing all of those dark friends. And we got all of that squished into one. And, and then Tom fights the Fade immediately afterward, which is what happened in Whitebridge. So we actually got all of that. We just didn't get it exactly like in the books. So I just call shenanigans on this. This is like complaining about things that have not yet happened as if they're not going to happen. But we kind of know they're going to happen. That's not a valid, that's not a valid criticism of this. Now, I do understand that it's different. Yeah. And you can be frustrated about being different. Yep. But to, but the claims being made in this review or this comment is not factual. They're just not factual. It's, yeah. it's just wrong. Well, that's, I will point out one comment, one part of this comment that I think is reasonable for us to talk about, which is uh, the idea that the 
that this is something it's using it's using the names and world and much of the plot of the first books but but honestly you know maybe some people are having a hard time enjoying it because maybe there's uh, i don't know some uh sense of loyalty to the exact details that happened you know yeah. whatever it's like yeah. no but white bridge was such a seminal moment for me as a reader you know like them seeing the bridge and you know it was always the point where they were headed to you know as a way that they could uh i think get over the river and whatever it is you know like the like it was such a key location and then you have this matt ran you have i think you have moraine go there kind of following them you know to try to find uh, random matt i thought uh you you have this whole like well that was a nexus point you know Honestly, Berlin, Berlin was like Min. And if they moved Min to a different place, no. But I, I get it. Like, it is not following the same exact pathway. Uh, if you, if people remember when they read the books, Moraine's, I believe Moraine's first thing she told them was that they would go to the White Tower. Right? They end up in Camelin, but her plan is to take them to the White Tower. Like, that is that is the book. Now, if you're taking out Camelin, <laughs> right? Like, imagine uh, you're in the writer's room and you're like, Okay, we can't do Camelin this season. Well, where are we gonna go? Uh, we, to let's, uh, let's go to Kyrian. No, no, let's not go to Kyrian. Let's uh, go to Tyr. No, let's not go to Tyr. Huh, what can we do? I don't know. We could pick the motivation from the books and go to the right. go to Tarvalon. Like, uh, let's go to Tarvalon right. because that was the plan. And so, if you're not going to Camelin, going to Tarvalon to me actually shows respect for the the actual material in the book. Right. Yep. It's like, and what, what it seems like they did was they, they were like, okay, but well, what happens? Well, Matt and Rand, they all, they all meet up there and that's when they decide, right. We know that the, the way gate is coming up, right? Like we know that that's coming. So it's like one of those, like, well, we know that from Tarvalon, uh, or sorry, from Camelin, they, they end up going to Faldara through, you know, through the ways. And it's like, you look at, well, we know way gates coming. We know Faldara is coming. We know that they all meet in a place. We know that Rand meets, like you said, loyal. He meets uh, at, at at an inn, and you're like, oh, okay. So yeah, maybe it's just maybe it's kind of blurring it a little bit. Maybe it's I I, I wear contacts, right? <laughs> and so it's like, well, without my contacts, everything's a little blurrier, you know. And so I guess yeah. the way I think of this is like, yeah, step back from the weaving of this pattern a little bit. It'll look the same for you if you'll just be willing to take two steps back from staring at the weave, you know, like Robert Jordan explained it. You know, yeah, if you get really close to the weave of this turning, you know, whatever the weave of this age, you're going to be like, well, that's not how it exactly happened. But if you just take two steps back and it gets a little bit blurred and the plots go a little bit off, to me, they're staying really consistent. Like the broad swaths look really good. So, yeah, it's tough. I totally get it. I don't think this, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't take this, I didn't take this comment in bad faith at all. I totally understand. Um, where they're coming from and they might not be following the show like we're following it right like that's true they don't know that elaine and and min have been cast and the two of the titles of the last two episodes weren't released originally so like those have been found by fans but maybe they don't know that the two titles already exist so they don't know that these you know so this person i can see them going like i'm not getting what i expect Uh, so i get it I, i get it in the end but like we just said Unfortunately, it's just a lack of information about some of these comments yeah. uh, moving forward. Yeah. So, it's just a, um, 
It's just a lack of knowledge. It's yeah. a lack of, uh, of facts at, at their disposal. Um, it's not saying they don't know anything, but yeah, we've been paying more attention than they have and we can see the facts that they missed and this just doesn't hold up in that light. But yes, I, I think there is there's something to be said for expectations versus reality. And then also faithfulness to the source material in ways that you think are important. The point being that you know, their writers have to make decisions on adaptations. And the whole point of an adaptation is to think about like, what's actually important here? And what is it that we need to change in order to be as true as possible to the original story? And you and I did this last year with our essential series, where we talked about essential parent, for example. And we were like, well, you know, if you look at parents plotline, you can see there's a number of scenes that are the purpose of those is to establish that he's a leader, that he's a general, that he can be uh, the leader of an army. How many times do we need to say that before you get it? Uh, and on on the in the book, you know, arguably the Malden plotline of of rescuing Fail was really just to keep him busy while everybody else was doing everything, right? And and also. Gener you know, also uh, proved that he could be a leader, but he already proved he was a leader in two rivers. So we could cut the Malden plotline, right? Yep. And you know, and and people are like, no, the Malden plotline is like two and a half books. You have to keep it. And like, yeah, you, you you could, but it's also a little redundant. And do you need to do that? Because the purpose of the plotline is to prove that he's a leader. So can you show he's a leader in another way? And if you look back at the first five episodes here, there's a number of cases, especially brain spring with Dana uh, as an example of we cut a whole bunch of things that were kind of redundant and consolidated them into one place. And I think that people are coming in and they're expecting this like word for word adaptation. Uh, and we have to be aware of the fact that they can't do that. It would be too prohibitively expensive on the budget. It would take too long to film. Uh, it would be boring to watch on TV. And you have to cut these things to get them to make it move quicker. And so I think I understand this concept of like, I don't like it because it's different, but it's also kind of a bad mindset to have when you come into a TV series, especially from an epic fantasy series with millions of words long. Well, yeah. And I, I think to maybe and and this particular one agreed. Uh, it seems like if I read a lot of the comments uh, that that are beyond just kind of this, I didn't like this part, right? Like, don't like the way that Perrin killed his fridge, his wife at the beginning. Uh, okay. Yeah. You don't, yeah. no one, no one's required to like whatever they don't want, you know, don't like something like, but some of, like you said, the rationales for not liking some of these things in the comments, that's where it kind of breaks apart for me. And that's what I've noticed of, of the, of many, many, if not all the comments, there's always something that seems like a misunderstanding or they haven't given it enough time to develop or there's just yep. an, there's an, right. There's an impatience for prove that you are doing this in good faith. And that's, yep. uh, that's really hard to prove if your proof is you're just, you're, the proof you're waiting for is only doing things you saw in the books. If, if the proof upon yep. which you are only willing to give faith is, they only do it according to my impressions of who the characters were. They only do it according to yep. the words there. Then, then you're going to be stuck and you're not. You're going to hate watch, right? Because you love the material, yep. um, but you're going to end up hate watching it. And that's, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a sad waste of time probably in life, but I get it, right? Like 
there were moments where I, uh, I did not like what Robert Jordan wrote, right? I would read an entire book and go, like, I don't like most of this book or something. And then it's like, right. but I'm Too still going to go back and I'm going to go back and read it. I'm going to go back and maybe find something I do like. And maybe some of the rewatching, yep. the, the hate watching, if you will, was maybe they're hoping to find something this time. But it's really hard when you've kind of gone into it and been like, I don't like this at all to to come out with a better opinion of it. So speaking of good faith reviews, good faith comments, uh, one person wrote, I wasn't in love with this episode. I feel they invested their limited time in weird places. I just don't understand where they were trying to go with this step and subplot thing. And the ending just didn't hit for me at all. I would have liked to see more loyal or something in step. Still enjoyed the episode, but it was probably my least favorite so far. That seems like a pretty good fit uh, criticism here. Uh, what do you think, Matt? Does this reviewer yeah. have a point? Uh, I, oh, abs- well, absolutely in the sense of not liking something, right? Like I think we've all run into this as, as readers and as viewers. The more that I can see Rand and Matt on screen, I'm happy. <laughs> Take me away from Rand and Matt, less happy. Take me to somebody I really don't want to see, not happy at all, right? Like, so if you put Leandrin on the scene in the screen a lot, I don't have an appeal. Like, Leandrin doesn't appeal to me as a reader. So I'm having to build kind of like this new thought of like, well, maybe it's an interesting plot that I can get uh, behind. But in most times, yep. it'd be like, let's move on, let's move on. I want to get back to Loyal. Uh, let's talk to Loyal. You know, I want to hear him make a joke. I want to hear him say something, and then no one really listens to the details. Like that's what I, that's going to give me the good feelings. I'm going to love those moments. So can we get back to those? So I think this, uh, I think this, this viewer is feeling something that is legitimate, right? Steppen's technically not new to us as readers, but new in this way that Steppen's used, obviously new in the sense of having dialogue and like these big scenes related to this plot, uh, and not one of the core characters that honestly for the right, like first eye of the world doesn't exist in eye of the world. So having time spent with Steppen makes sense where people will be like, uh, no, no, give me, we could have gotten men, give me, you know? give me Matt. I could have had, had men in Bailon, yep. you know, and you start kind of going down those roads of like, well, why didn't I get some of the characters that actually do exist in this moment in this space? Uh, so yeah, I think that's a valid criticism in the sense of being a book reader and having a hard time investing in the show at this point, pointing towards not getting enough time with, or wanting more time with core characters. I bet, I bet if we did an analysis, we should, someone's doing one out there. I bet if you did an analysis of total minutes, we'd be having a ton of time with our core characters. It's just that anything that takes away from them, I can see kind of causes you know, some consternation as a, as a, as a book reader before. Yeah. Do you feel like it's a, there are valid points here? I totally think so. I think this is the episode that for me was kind of the least interesting and in the way, like I didn't really care about Steppen's subplot. I thought that it, you know, like, like this reviewer said, Steppen is not a character that we really love in the books. So I, I watched it and I was like, okay, this stuff and stuff is interesting. Um, and, and I was deeply engrossed in the episode. But, it, you know, what, afterward I thought back and I was like, I, I didn't really care for the stuff and stuff. So, so in that sense, yeah, totally, totally valid review, totally valid criticism. There's, this reviewer says, I just don't understand what they were trying to do with this stuff and subplot thing. Mm. Um, and uh, I 
I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Uh, I do understand what they were trying to do. And, and I think that maybe maybe talking about that might be useful. But yeah. this episode, probably more than any other episode, is tons and tons and tons of foreshadowing. Right. Like there's tons yeah. of things in this episode that are hinting at what's going to happen later. And, you know, this whole idea of in the last episode, in episode four, when Korean dies and Stepan kind of becomes catatonic and, you know, lobotomized, like riding around with no personality anymore. Um, that was, if you weren't paying close attention, you might just think he's sad. Yep. Uh, and this, this episode really says, no, 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 no. He's not just sad. He is devastated. And he is so devastated that he can't see life without her. And so he kills himself. So that's, that's like a, one thing they were going for. But then there were also, there's tons of foreshadowing around. Like if you've read the books, you know that uh, a certain someone goes through a, a twisted doorway and, and dies. Look at you being For there. all intents and purposes. <laughs> and somebody else gets really sad and storms off, you know. And, and there's, you know, there, there is some foreshadowing happening there. And then also around... You know, you get some Easter eggs from the readers, like the fact that everybody wears white for funerals, which is mentioned in the books, but only offhand. And the fact that they put that front and center on the show is really cool. And there's some foreshadowing around, you know, Pot and Fane, Random Matt, and, and Who's the Dragon, and Logan, and, you know, all of this stuff. This, this is the foreshadowing-centric episode. So if you want a reason for why they did that, it's foreshadowing it's foreshadowing out the wazoo yeah and that's a good point like that part of this critique uh as being part of the justification for wanting more time with other characters is the part i don't agree with which is just because it's a new character how many new characters were introduced to us in the books it's like yeah and maybe that's just uh maybe it's something from being a book reader where they're just like no i don't want to know about this circle of women that's new to every other whatever. I don't want to know right, right. about this marriage custom with the knives. I, I don't want to know about a whole new culture of people. Just get me to the end of this series. <laughs> like I can see like right. people like don't introduce 2,795th whatever or 87th or, you know, character. So I can see somebody coming in and being like, well, I didn't want to care about this person right now. I didn't want this story, but sorry, Karina and, and Stepan, like that exists in the books. Uh, guess what? Uh, part of a black Aja, her death was part of a black Aja plot. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, how they mm -hmm. presented it in this one, you know, like bringing a character that was part of a black Aja plot to lead uh, this, this moment and actually die and using that death. Right. Cause um, imagine you're making that choice. We're going to bring this black Aja plot idea. I'm not telling everybody that's what's there, but theory uh, Black Aja plot, uh, Aes Sedai dies and Aes Sedai has a warder. Well, what are you going to do as a, as the writer? Well, we're going to have an Aes Sedai die that has a warder. Uh, well, I just, maybe he is sad and we'll just go to land. Yeah. You know, no, you're, you have to, you're, a, you're building the yeah, world. You've got to address it. And why wouldn't you? Because like you said, it gives you the perfect moment to set everything else up. <laughs> you're like, yep. you don't have, you know what you don't yep. have to do? You don't have to have uh, Lan and Moraine in season two go to a cabin where they are just like studying on a, <laughs> they're just like, they're out yeah. studying, you know, there's just having yeah. some time looking into things while everyone else is doing stuff. And then they have this moment where you just cut to them going like, so 
how are you feeling? I'm I'm okay. Well, I'm thinking about yeah, right, right, moving right. your bond somewhere. <laughs> how would you feel about that? And it's like, well, I wouldn't you like that. You should be that. a TV writer. Yeah, like, well, no, it's like, in the end, <laughs> having this moment brings up the conversation, right? Having Moraine and Alana talk makes sense, right? You already kind yes. of, you're developing this relationship between Alana and Moraine. They were shielding Loghain. Like, I actually think that's are brilliant choices from a writing standpoint yep. from the book, right? Like, building a relationship with Alana here and having Alana be part of this group that sees yep. a warder kill himself. Sorry. Like, uh, this is, yeah, this foreshadowing, foreshadowing, it's foreshadowing. And it's just really well done. So I don't, it's really yeah, well done. Yeah. And Maureen says, Hey, you know, I can't, I heard about this way. You can pass the bond on to someone else. And Alana is like, you know, I'll totally take stuff in if I need to. Like, yes, right. Both of those things, both of those things are like, Hey, what if we pass Lance Bond to Alana? Like that's yes. They, they're setting it up. They're setting it up. Yes. So this you you can you know I, I I appreciate the concept of like I didn't understand this. Yeah. And, sure. And you know again not not everybody is as hardcore fan freaks as we are about the books and know as much of this and putting all these things together, especially non-readers. Like I don't know. We don't know if this reviewer is a reader or not. Um, but. I think the point is mm, yeah, that's a good point. That that's a it, that's well put. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think I think the point here is we should put as much trust in the writers of the Wheel of Time series as we put in Robert Jordan, and make reserve judgment for whether these decisions were bad or not until it's over, um, because trying to guess in the moment, as we've demonstrated multiple times so far today. Uh, it's just factually wrong. Like there are clearly reasons for why these things are done. Some of those are done for good reasons. Some of those are done for reasons we don't yet understand, but to, to complain about them and say, I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's, this is a stupid decision. It's a little short-sighted in the sense that you need to give it time yeah. and you need to give it trust. And then at the end of the day, we can come back and say, okay, knowing everything that we know now, are those decisions still weird decisions? And and as time goes on, I feel less and less like they're weird decisions. I feel like they're really smart things to do. Well, that's that's why I like this comment. This one didn't have judgments like, so therefore dumb, right? Like this right. person was just like, right. this episode didn't hit for me. Like I totally get that. I've had that with episodes so far in this series where this one hits better because I understood more of it or I could see more of it. This one didn't hit yep. very well because I couldn't see where they were going. Like that, right. this one is probably my favorite, uh, my favorite comment so far of people that maybe did not enjoy this last episode or haven't enjoyed the series because it shows like, okay, I'm willing to watch this through. I'm willing to give it a chance. I don't understand some of the reasoning. This one didn't hit for me. I've liked things so far, but I don't get why we paid attention to this thing. Cause like you said, I don't look, I've been reading these books and talking about this for a long time. I don't probably don't see half of it. A quarter. Like, there's right. probably like there's probably so much that like the writers and the cast and crew are even aware of that that we're just like totally missing. And six months from now, we're gonna read something and be like, or watch like episode again and be like, oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. There's this thing, this thing, this thing. In the same way, it makes total sense that you know people aren't seeing the foreshadowing as much. Like you said, this may be just be a new viewer, or just because you've read the books twice or three times doesn't mean you capture. Like, honestly, to capture all the foreshadowing, you probably have to, like, read it a lot, be talking about it a lot, look up mm -hmm. resources online about all the foreshadowing. So uh, it's really, really layered and dense and fun 
in that sense. But I guess maybe I didn't think about this, Brian. There's probably a, and maybe I, I haven't taken it this way. There's probably a portion of readers who really loved the series, but didn't really talk about the series, right? Like I was a geek. I didn't have anybody to talk about until I found online communities. Yep. And, you know, like th- if they haven't been doing that, then it would be really hard. I, I could totally see how this could be really hard to understand the changes because you wouldn't see the purpose of them. You'd have zero chance probably to see the purpose, right? You'd be like, the stepping thing is dumb, right? It doesn't make any sense. Why would we need to see the warders like this? And if you really haven't done deep examination, it would be really frustrating. So I, I don't think I've thought about it that way. And I can, I can, I can see how that would be more frustrating. Uh, it, it, they're probably in the most frustrated group. They have enough information yep. to be extremely frustrated. They don't have enough information though to kind of help, you know, uh, tamp down maybe some of those frustrations and then just enjoy it. We forget sometimes how much we know about these books, right? You know, I just think, oh, it's normal. Everybody knows everything about the Wheel of Time. And you talk to some people and they're like, uh, who is Gawain again? You know, right, and right. my neighbor down the street, she uh, she and I, I found out she reads the Wheel of Time and I was talking to her about the show. I said, how, how do you like the show so far? And she goes, yeah, it's okay. It's good. And I was like, yeah, you know, they skipped Barillon and we didn't see men and they skipped Camelon and they skipped Whitebridge and whatever. And her, she just stares at me like I sprouted horns or something. And she's like, <laughs> wow, you really, you really like this book series, huh? And I was like, you, you own all of the books. What do you, like, they're on hardback on your bookcase. What do, what do you, and, and I just forget that some people read it and they move on and they don't obsess over it like we do. So I, I think this reviewer out of all the ones we talked about is the one that has uh, to the most valid criticism, the most, most valid concerns, and the one that I empathize with the most. You know, it's okay to just not like something. Yeah, and, and I guess that's, maybe that's a good place to end this, which is, I don't like everything. Not everyone does. I'm I'm enjoying the hell out of it though. Like rewatching, oh man, like the rewatches on this are just fun. Just really fun. And yeah, I think part of me is sad that there's book fans that that aren't enjoying it. I'm just sad because I'm like, damn, like that would suck to to love a book series so much and yet and yeah, and, and, and then hate and, the show. But, and yeah. not like, yeah, right. Like the Shannara Chronicles, everyone brings up and, you know, like all the adaptations that have been done, you know, you, you want it to be the thing that you enjoy. It doesn't matter that other people enjoy it. You want to enjoy it, <laughs> you know? And so, right. so right. seeing, uh, maybe it's even worse, right? Seeing people enjoy it. You're just like, are you mad? How can you enjoy this? I don't enjoy it. And I'm a rational person and therefore you must be irrational or so crazy because yep. I really want to enjoy this. And so I'm sure there's some of that of like, I wish I could enjoy it. I wish I can, I wish I could talk uh, and enjoy these moments with everyone else. And I'm just not there and it's frustrating, you know? And so there's probably some of that. I, I, I totally make sense to me uh, when I think about it in those terms. I, I think all of those reviewers should go back after the season is done and rewatch everything in, in order. See if that changes your minds because I rewatching these episodes for me, everything gets better on future rewatches. I just pick up more, more of the decisions make sense. It just feels better. So I haven't watched, I haven't watched it too many times, um, but I've watched everything twice. So that is, 
you know, that's enough for me to be like, oh, this, this whole thing makes more sense than it did before. And, you know, most of my criticisms have just like dissipated in the wind because uh, I'm, I just get it. I get it a little bit more, just thinking about it a little bit more. So uh, I encourage all of our listeners to watch the show multiple times. Make sure that you, uh, you, you're not missing anything obvious. Um, and yeah, I just think it's the rewatchability is on par, if not better than the rereadability of the books. Let's leave it there. Thanks for your time, Matt. It's always great to talk to you. Yeah, loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, you know, I can't wait. We have a whole 12 to 18 months until season two. So let's, let's keep oh my breaking gosh, it down. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. There's going to be so much to talk about. We're going to have so many bloody stops. We're going to have so many episodes, so much content coming for you guys in 2022. And uh, we can't wait to to get there. So, yeah. That's it. We'll leave it there. If you are a fan of the podcast, please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend about us. And we'll see you next time at the bar side. Barside Chats is a Dusty Wheel production, jointly hosted by Brian the Gleeman and Matt the Innkeeper. If you would like to support this podcast, please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, or you may email us at podcast at thedustywheel.com.